This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're going to talk about how you can make a business out of something that I'm sure almost all of my listeners have absolutely no idea could be a business, a spectacular business, a very cool business, and I'm just so jealous. Can I just say, I am so jealous of my guest today. So please join me in welcoming Jasper Rivers to our program. Welcome, Jasper. Hey, Deb. Thanks for having me. Well, now that we've led up to that, let me tell folks just a little bit about you and This is why they're going to be so jealous. I'm serious, everybody. You're going to be very jealous. So Jasper Rivers is the author of Get Paid for Your Pad, the best resource on Airbnb hosting. He uses the money he makes on Airbnb to travel the world full time after he quit his finance job in 2010. I'm serious, Jasper. I am just so jealous. To me, this would be absolutely wonderful. Um, But I'm a little bit older and I probably have some roots that, you know, I couldn't really do this, but I could do part of it. I mean, and that's what is so cool. As I was looking at your information, reading your book, this is something that virtually anyone could consider doing, you know, whether you have, you know, a a nine to five job, a family, retired, you know, footloose and fancy free, single, all of these various things. So tell us, let's go back a little bit and tell us, you know, a little bit more of your background and then how you decided that becoming a full-time Airbnb host was what you were going to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's uh, it's it's been eight years since I quit my job, so I haven't lived anywhere for for more than a couple months in in those eight years. But how it all started was that I was working in Chicago is in finance, and I I, I wasn't very I didn't feel very fulfilled with mm-hmm. my with my situation. Although right. I didn't I didn't dislike my job, but well, I felt you like were financially was successful. But you know, there's other things. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I just to sit in an office all day wasn't quite what I was dreaming about when I was younger, right? So I thought, you know, let's let's take a leap. Let's try something else. And mm-hmm. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But one thing that I did know is I wanted to travel. So I, I decided to, to quit my job and, and I took off to Brazil in what I thought was going to be maybe a one or two year journey because I figured I'd have to you know, go back to a job at some point because mm-hmm. I didn't have enough money to, you know, to support myself for the rest of my life. So right. that's how it got started. Um, it wasn't until I found Airbnb though that that situation actually changed and I started realizing that I didn't have to go back to a job because, you know, just by renting out my, my small two-bedroom apartment in Amsterdam allowed me to make enough money to sustain myself. So mm-hmm. that was really a turning point which came about about two years after I quit my job. Right. And you know, now granted, Amsterdam is a pretty cool destination for people to go to. But in your book, um, which again is called Get Paid for Your Pad, you talk about 
you know, in, in many cases, you could do this anywhere. Um, you know, as long as there is a demand that someone would want to come and stay in that area, you could do it. Um, but let's talk about why you decided on Airbnb, because there are quite a few of the, of the various types of services out there. Um, and, and I know part of it is Airbnb is, is the biggest, but walk us through a little bit as to why you decided to be very specific just on, on their platform. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, when I started in 2012, there there weren't that many platforms, mm-hmm. um, but there was, you know, there was HomeAway, there was a platform called Windu, and I actually tried uh, the, the that platform as well. But what I realized was that, you know, in order to, to really get momentum and be successful in one platform, I figured I would have to focus all my all my efforts on, on one platform, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like being the, it's better to be a king in the small pond than like, you know, an, an average person in a large right. pond, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I asked myself the question, you know, what, which of these platforms do I see most potential? Mm-hmm. And that wasn't so hard to figure out for me because if you look at Airbnb, the way they were innovating and developing the platform it was, you know, it, it was it was pretty crazy. Like every every month or so, there would be all sorts of new functionality, and and you know the way it was growing as well, um, the user friendliness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it just really stood out from the other platforms. I mean, I mean, you know, if you look at HomeAway, that site's been around for a long time, but you know, it hasn't really changed that much over the last like ten years or so, mm-hmm. I'd say. But Airbnb was just constantly innovating, and I just felt like, you know, Airbnb had the most potential. Right. Well, and they are definitely around the world, um, you know, and, and so I'm sure that was part of the appeal for you because you're in Amsterdam and I'm, you know, I, I'm guessing obviously the people who rent your uh, apartment come from around the world and so they need to be able to access it in a variety of different places. Yeah, absolutely. I was getting guests from from all over the world, and and just you know, just to be accurate, like I started hosting in 2012 in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2017, uh, uh, the city actually uh, disallowed Airbnb hosting. So I, what I did was I I sold my house, and then I bought the properties in in different locations around the world where you know Airbnb hosting okay. is not not an issue. So I currently own properties in in Colombia, Philippines, and Thailand. Okay. Um, but but for a better of five years or so, I, I rented out my place in Amsterdam. And and you're right, Airbnb is everywhere. Um, I you know I use it a lot uh, during my travels because it's you know it's an affordable and it's a great way to stay somewhere. You you know you get in touch with some some local people. Mm-hmm. And um, you know you can ha- you can have a kitchen, so you don't always have to eat out. So it's I really prefer it uh, as opposed to a hotel. Um, but yeah, it's it's everywhere. I remember I would go to you know a small place like a remote place or something, and then and then I would think to myself, wow, I wonder if Airbnb is here. And then you look, and I mean it's almost everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and it's funny. I've got their website open right now, and one of their sections is on unique homes. Right now, they have over 1,900 tree houses. They have over 9,000 boats, and they have almost 2,000 yurts. So, you know, it's not just that you're getting a home in, say, downtown Atlanta or, um, you know, Toronto or Amsterdam or things like that. They, as you said, they really are around the world. And so it's it's a great way for somebody who is traveling to really get um, some unique experiences. 
yeah, absolutely. The, you know, the variety on Airbnb is absolutely mind blowing. And, and, you know, you mentioned the tree house. Um, I actually know somebody who built a tree house and, and rents it out and oh. the tree house is doing great. I mean, it's, you know, it's such good return on investment mm-hmm. and not just tree houses, um, you know, cause on my podcast, I've interviewed about 200 and almost 250 people from all around the world, Airbnb hosts. Right. And, you know, just to mention one other story, from that podcast is somebody who lives a couple hours away from Toronto in Canada in kind of in the middle of nowhere. And mm-hmm. he decided to, to build some log cabins in his garden mm. uh, and to put them on Airbnb. And, mm-hmm. you know, these, these log cabins aren't that expensive. You know, I, right. think, I think he was building them for like $10,000. And then he started running them out to people from Toronto who wanted to escape the busy city and, they were paying about 50 bucks a night for these things. Right. And so, you know, you can calculate, you know, 20, 20 nights at $50 is a thousand dollars. That means after 10 months, you know, you got your investment back. Right. And that's, you know, just going back to your earlier point about Airbnb. I mean, the way that I did it, I happened to have an apartment and I, I put it on Airbnb and it worked fantastic. But throughout, you know, throughout interviewing all these other hosts, I've seen so many different ways that people make money with Airbnb. And literally, there's people that started with, with zero. I even know somebody who, who was in debt, and he, he didn't even have anything to rent out, but he started managing other people's units, oh. and now he's making a full-time income with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the variety... Of, of ways that you can use Airbnb, whether it's, you know, whether it's like renting out your, your home in, on the weekends and then, mm-hmm. you know, take a little break, go on a city tour um, or, you know, renting out when you're on holiday or renting out a spare room. Um, I know somebody here in uh, Los Angeles, actually, where I'm currently, um, she, uh, she, didn't, she didn't have much money to invest. And so she started by renting out some air mattresses in her living room. Mm-hmm. And she saved up money. And then once <laughs> she had enough money, she, she rented another uh, apartment and mm-hmm. started renting that out on Airbnb. And now she has four apartments and she's making a full-time income. Right. So it's, it's really, it's, you know, it's in my situation, it, you know, it was, uh, it was relatively easy, you know, cause I had, I had an apartment, but, um, but really I, what I, from what I've seen is like anybody can get into it. You, right. you really don't need to own anything. Um, you don't need to have a lot of money. You can take advantage of it. And that's, that's what's wonderful about it. It's very empowering. Right. Well, and you know, you mentioned that the young woman who rented out mattresses, air mattresses, obviously she's not charging a hundred dollars a night for that, but you know, there's there's a market for that. You know, I'm I'm assuming it was probably you know twenty somethings, maybe thirty somethings that were you know playing tourist, not a lot of money. Uh, you know, all these various things, and thought that that was great. You know, as long as and and I joke sometimes that you know I'm kind of happy as long as I have a mattress and a and a bathroom. Now I do like more the creature comforts, but that really is true. I mean, you know, if you if you've got kind of the those basics, I mean, you expect to pay the basic price. But as you said, that's a great place for somebody to start. Yeah, absolutely. And especially in the, in the location, like uh, like I'm in Santa Monica right mm-hmm. now. Uh, you know, if you look at hotel prices, oh. I mean, it's, it's really, really expensive here, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're on a budget, you can't really stay here. Right. And so people who are on a budget and who do want to stay in this area, they'd be, they would love to, you know, to just sleep on the air mattress and, and pay $20, $30, like you said. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're gone during the day. I mean, you know, they're they're not renting the place 
for the place. You know, they they just need a place to sleep. They need a place to shower in the morning and then they're off being tourists. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that you talk about in your book is a great way to do something maybe along those lines is based on something that say might be happening in your area. Um, you know, maybe it's, I'm, I'm a big college football fan. So maybe it's, you know, the bowl games or, uh, you know, it's, uh, something that the big that's going on where it's drawing a lot of people from out of town who really might not have a lot of money to spend or the resources are just limited. You know, sometimes the, the number of hotel rooms just isn't going to meet the demand. Yeah, absolutely. I think a good example is a conference like South by Southwest in Austin. Mm-hmm. Right. I've interviewed somebody who only rented her place during that period. Mm-hmm. She would she was able to charge such a high amount. She would go on a holiday to Mexico for a couple of weeks, and that was completely financed by the people that were staying at her place during the conference. Right. Well, and the cool thing about Airbnb and you know maybe some of the other sites too is that you can kind of turn it off and turn it on. So you can say, okay, for these two weeks a year, I'm going to do this. Or, you know, maybe you're thinking, well, okay, I am going on vacation and I'm going to be gone to wherever, so might as well rent it out then. Um, so it's, it's not that you have to commit to 365 days a year. Absolutely. It's, it's your home and you get to decide when and to who you rent out. So you're always in control. Great. Well, let's talk about some of the the, the, the details, um, because this was something that, that just fascinated me so much. I'll be honest, I've never stayed in an Airbnb. I looked into it, and it was funny, because as I was reading your book, I thought, okay, the mistakes that the people made was why I didn't choose to, to stay in the, the locations. You know, one of the places that I had looked at, it uh, he had multiple times where he canceled at the last minute on people. Um, you know, and that's not going to work if you're going somewhere on vacation. Or, you know, one person said, you can only check in between one and two. Well, what if I'm not there between one and two? You know, all these various things. And you go through in your book and, and on your uh, website, those are obviously mistakes, you know, and, and things like that. But it it was fascinating to me how... It without tons of work, you really can make this something that works very well. But the first question that, that really came to my mind was, you know, say I were, were going to, to offer my home, whether I'm just offering a room or the entire home, is kind of the safety. You know, how, how do I know that I'm not going to get some icky, creepy people or they're not going to rob me blind? Um, you know, obviously... I'm supposed to put my heirlooms and my treasures somewhere else you know, because accidents do happen. But, but how do we know that we're not going to have the icky, creepy people of the world? Yeah, that's a very good question. And that's definitely the, you know, the number one concern that uh, people have when they start hosting. And, and Airbnb is aware of that. So there's, mm-hmm. a lot of, there's actually a, quite a few things that you can do to do you know the due diligence on the person who is requesting to stay at your home. So first of all, there's every every Airbnb user has a profile page. Okay. And where there's a picture, there's um, you know there's some uh, for verifications like uh, you know you have to provide an ID and like you can connect to Facebook and other social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, you can write some something about yourself in your profile mm-hmm. and you can get recommendations from other people. References are those called, but I'd say the most important thing is actually the reviews. So you can see um, the, what other hosts have written about this particular guest right. 
And I love that, that idea. Yeah, I mean that's that's the backbone of the sort of the the, the whole you know, experience on Airbnb is is uh, is providing feedback to you know from the host to the guest, but also from the guest to the host, mm-hmm. which makes it easier for people to select uh, the right uh, the right fit, the right home, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Another little, um, a little trick uh, that uh, you know a lot of people don't think about. Um, I always not just look at the reviews that the host has written for the guest, mm-hmm. but I also look at the reviews that the guest has written. Oh. Past or other are home. they extremely picky? Are they always complaining? All of those things. Exactly, because if you if you take those, you take both the reviews from both sides. You read the profile. And then you look at the messages. Like you mm-hmm. can you can send the person some messages before you decide to host somebody. And so, you know, what's what what's your good feeling w- w- that you get from this whole picture? Um, from my experience, the uh, I mean, ninety nine percent of the experience on Airbnb are positive. Mm-hmm. Um, when thing when things do go wrong, it's you. It could usually have been prevented. Right. And I can give you a couple of examples. Um, just from from spending time with Airbnb host in the in the area here in Los Angeles, um, I met uh, one person in in Venice Beach, and uh, and he just forgot to look at the reviews of his guest, and so his guest stayed, and the guest actually stole a few items from oh. him, and uh, and so he went back and looked at the reviews, and there was one of the reviews, um, the host previous host actually stated that this person had stolen something, oh. and so. You know this, and so it's you know if you forget you know if you forget to to do your due diligence, then then you can get in trouble sometimes. Right. Um, and another example was very similar, where uh, when somebody never accepted last minute bookings, like a few mm-hmm. hours in in advance, right? And and this time, you know, for some reason, she thought, oh well, you know, let me just accept this booking mm-hmm. without again without the due diligence. And uh, she immediately paid the price because it, it was a uh, you know it was not a positive experience, mm-hmm. not a good fit, and and so she she, definitely, she regretted it. So, so you know it's a very important as, uh, aspect the, the safety. Um, but fortunately, if you if you do your due diligence, you know you, I, I'm confident you can prevent almost all the the bad experiences that that could happen. Right. Well, and things do happen. You know, things get broken. You know, all these various things. And you mentioned in your book that Airbnb has insurance coverage for that. Obviously, you know, it's, it's a detailed process to, to file a claim, and so we won't go into that. It's always a good idea to have your own insurance, you know, the, and make sure your insurance person knows, hey, this is what's going on here. But, you know, those, those things can be prevented. And I'm guessing, you know, in many cases, if, say, they break your toaster, if you contact them and say, hey, you broke my toaster, they'll say, oh, here's 10 bucks <laughs> or, or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's taking those steps to make sure that, that you do have the proper coverage and that, you know, and, and seriously, folks, you know, if, if you don't want it to disappear, don't leave it in the house. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a very good point. Uh, you know, it's always a good idea to to just store some of your personal belongings and things that you're even. It it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a valuable thing, but mm-hmm. if it has this emotional value, right? For you, Maybe your grandma like, did a painting or something. Yeah. You know? Exactly, and then you know, if it if it if it falls off the wall and and it breaks, then you know that's that's a that's a shame, right? So you can't really replace it. Mm-hmm. And so you know, yeah, it's a good idea to lock those those items up, like in a wardrobe or even in a storage unit mm-hmm. or at a friend's place, wherever you want to put it. Right. Well, and 
you know, it, it is about making sure it's a good fit. And I love the fact that you mentioned that you can always, as the, the rentor, turn them down and say, no, nah, you know, just, just not going to work out. Now, there's ramifications to that because Airbnb doesn't like that. You know, I mentioned at the start that, you know, I decided, <coughs> excuse me, not to uh, rent one place because it, it, it reported that he repeatedly canceled. Um, but, you know, if uh, that's kind of one of those where you go with your gut instinct. If there's something there where you're thinking, maybe not so much, then you don't have to accept it. And there's really no true penalty. Absolutely. And it's important to make a distinction between a re- declining a request and mm-hmm. can- canceling a booking. Right, right. Right. So declining a request does not really put you at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Um, although, uh, what I will say is every booking that you accept is, 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 is good for your reputation Airbnb right. because it means it's, there's activity mm-hmm. and Airbnb, obviously they, you know, they're, they want to make money. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if they see that you're constantly declining, that's, you know, it's not going to help you. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But there's no direct penalty on it. Now there is a direct penalty on canceling a booking because that really leads to a very bad user experience. Right. Right? And so it Airbnb, shows on their site, this, this person cancels. Exactly. So, you know, I, I mean, cancellations should basically, they shouldn't really happen. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you accept a guest, the, the guest is going to book their travels, they're going to make preparations and stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, it's really bad um, to, to cancel, you know, unless you absolutely have to. Right. And there, there are some, you know, there are some circumstances where Airbnb will not penalize you. For mm-hmm. example, I know a host in, in Venice who, um, who had bed bugs. Right. So oh, they don't called, want people there. Then. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. So he called Airbnb and said, mm-hmm. listen, I've got all these bookings, but, you know, there's bed bugs. I don't think mm-hmm. that the guests should really stay here. And then, you know, Airbnb canceled those bookings on, on, on his behalf and mm-hmm. he didn't get penalized for that, obviously. So, you know, it really depends a bit on, on the situation. There's exceptions, but in general, um, it's not a good idea to cancel. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, the, the other exception is when you're using a, a functionality that's called Instant Book. Mm. So as a host, you can choose mm-hmm. um, whether uh, certain people are allowed to book instantly. Mm-hmm. You can you can set some conditions on that. So you could say like, okay, only people with you know with a with a uh, a positive review from another host can mm-hmm. use the instant booked functionality. And there's some some other conditions that you can put. Uh, but essentially, if if somebody books instantly, and so you didn't have really the chance to do your due diligence yet, um, you can still do the due diligence. Mm-hmm. And if you if you feel that it's really not a good fit and you feel uncomfortable by hosting this particular guest, then you can actually cancel a few times, uh, up to three times, um, without, uh, without penalty. Okay. So there's, you know, there's, there's, you know, and this is a, a major concern for Airbnb hosts. Um, uh, some hosts didn't like the instant book feature um, because Airbnb really favors your listing if you're if you're willing to use it because oh. it provides a, mm-hmm. a really good experience on the on the guest side, right? Mm-hmm. It's very convenient that you don't have to wait for an answer. Right. I don't want to wait for them to respond to tell me yes or no. I can stay there. Exactly. So it makes the plat- Airbnb as a platform much more attractive to to its users, and so Airbnb. Um, really promotes uh, the use of instant booking by by um, by bumping your bumping your uh, listing a little bit in the search results mm-hmm. if, 
if you use the instant booking. So you'll, you know, you'll, you'll just be more likely to get bookings. Basically you're more visible on the platform. Um, so yeah, so the, you know, the instant booking feature is, is something that uh, has been discussed a lot and, um, and Airbnb recognizes that hosts do want to keep some of the control of over who gets to stay in their home, even if they are using instant booking. Mm-hmm. They made arrangements for that. So Right. Well, and, you know, there are certainly a lot of reasons why somebody wants to review it. You know, say it's uh, the, the owner is, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a single woman. You know, she really probably wants to, to make sure that, you know, who's going to be in there. Or, you know, maybe you're, you've, you've got a house in a very uh, residential area and you need to make sure that it's not going out to a bunch of kids. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were very concerned because, they're in this quiet cul-de-sac here in, in Atlanta, and the the property right next door had become an Airbnb place, and it had four bedrooms, and I think they just wanted $50 a night per bedroom. And the concern of the neighbors was, that's pretty cheap, so they're, they're probably going to get a little bit different level of person than if, say, they were charging $100 a night. Um, and, you know, and, and, but I, I also thought it was interesting that the neighbors had gone and talked to him and said, now, hey, here's what's going to happen. So that seemed to me like it, it was probably going to be okay. But, you know, but that does bring up an, a very interesting point is to kind of make sure that your neighbors know what's going on, um, you know, and, and let them know, okay, you know, this is why I have a steady stream of people coming and going, you know, we're not doing drugs. We're not, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, having a real good time over there it's, you know, this is, is why this is happening. Absolutely. I always recommend people to let their neighbors know. And um, because, you know, the last thing that you want is, is your neighbors complaining, especially if you're in, in a building, mm-hmm. they could go to the building management and, you know, that can, that can basically, um, you know, they usually, the buildings have the, the ability to, to prohibit Airbnb hosting. So, mm-hmm. um, but in any case, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good idea to, to let your neighbors know, just to keep, have a, you know, keep the good, good relationship with them. Right. Well, and one of the things that you mention in your book is, you know, say you're renting your entire apartment or your entire home out, and, and therefore you're not there, you probably want the neighbors to kind of keep an eye on things. Um, you know, to make sure that it's not a wild and crazy party, or it might be that the neighbors have a spare set of keys, you know, all of these various things. Yeah, absolutely. You could even go a step further. You could even get the neighbors involved if you're remote hosting. Mm-hmm. So if you don't live near the apartment that you're renting out, mm-hmm. you could even um, you know offer your neighbors to to help out with the checking in or mm-hmm. even like the maintenance or the cleaning or any of the other uh, you know work that has to be done and um, and you know pay them for their services. So. Mm-hmm. That's another way. That's a really good way to get your neighbors involved, and because then it's win-win. You know, your neighbors right. are making some extra money too. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I, again, I, you know, I've I've never used Airbnb, so this whole process really was just fascinating to me. And you know, one of the things you mentioned is that when the guests arrive, if at all possible, you know, somebody needs to meet them and welcome them. Um, you know, and and I found this fascinating. One of the the examples that you used in your book. Uh, actually, you mentioned it several times. Was maybe take them out to coffee. Take you know. Sometimes they've ended up bonding and actually you know really you know spending a lot of time with them. But welcoming there because you're in essence welcoming these people into your home, 
And so, and that is one of the things that, that Airbnb rates people on is, you know, did you, were you welcomed properly? All these various things. And, and that gives you then the chance to say, okay, this is how the stove turns on, or this is how you run the nest thermostat or, you know, all of those various things. And, you know, someone like you who is not on site, you, as you said, you have hired it done, um, you know, and, and so I love that concept because, it can be, you know, as, like like you, you're traveling, so you're not there. Or it can be an investment property, which is also what you have. But, you know, it, 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 you're not tied there, which I think might be one of the things that people are thinking is, oh, my gosh, I want to do this. But part of why I want to do this is I want to travel. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about hiring someone to be kind of the manager might be the, the, the way to, to phrase it. Yeah, absolutely. That, so that's the, the what I always uh, have used. Um, you know, I had a cleaning lady who I'd known for already five years before I started mm-hmm. uh, renting out, and and so I, you know, I asked her, "Hey, you know, would you like to, you know, uh, be the manager of of the apartment?" Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like welcome the guests and and help them if there's any issues and and all that kind of thing. So. So yeah, I think I think it's it's really important. I mean, this is something that some people I think underestimate. Um, the, you know, the person that manages your your unit is you know that's it's critical to to your business, right? Because if mm-hmm. that person doesn't do a good job, um, you could it can really hurt your business, right? right. Imagine if if some guests are locked out or something and and they can't get a hold of your manager, then you know you're going to get a really bad review, right? Right, and, especially so. if they have to go stay somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, it's you know, it's going to cost money, and it's 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 a very bad uh, uh, reputation that you're getting if mm-hmm. if if those problems um, you know come up frequently. And so, um, I always recommend people to spend a lot of time finding the right person for this particular job, mm-hmm. and that person because it's a big commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, like people pretty much have to be on standby. Um, you know, every single day, mm-hmm. I would almost say 24 hours a Right. Yeah, because day, something right? could go wrong. You know, the air conditioner could break or where are those light bulbs or, you know, all those various things. Yeah, absolutely. And so what I recommend is if you if you do find a manager who will, you know, will arrange everything, then make sure to pay that person well. Like I paid my um, manager um, much more than she was earning at a hotel. Mm-hmm. And, and so... And so she really liked the fact that she was taking care of my of my mm-hmm. house because she was making significantly more money with it than her other work, and and so you know that made her like really committed to it because mm-hmm. the success of the of, of my Airbnb business became also important for her because she didn't want to lose her uh, her job, right? Right. Well, and I loved how she worked with you because she cleaned and she cleaned very well. And, you know, that's, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But then, you know, she also met them. Um, it's also, you mentioned in your book, it's important to maybe be there when they leave, especially if they need to give you physical keys. And, you know, it's, and it's certainly much easier if there's some damage that has been done to jointly see it as opposed to going back to the person and saying, hey, this was broken. And they say, no, it wasn't. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, and, and as you said, she was available if they needed something while they were there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's different solutions as well. I mean, you can do self, um, self entry as well. You can mm-hmm. have like a smart lock or something. So right. it's, you know, it's, a, it's not, 
uh, 100% necessary mm -hmm. to have somebody there to welcome the guests. I, I just always felt like it was, you know, it was, it was, uh, it added, it adds to the experience. Mm -hmm. um, as for when the guests check out, that one I'd say is less important than the, than the check-in because mm -hmm. um, I mean, what I used to do is I just used to tell my guests to, um, to just put the keys through the mailbox. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that, that, that works as well. But, um, but yeah, sometimes definitely she would, uh, she would come um, because basically when the guests check out, she would clean. Right. Right. And so, and then know, it was to, ready for the next person to, to come in. Exactly. So, you know, if the guests are leaving and, and you're going to clean anyway, you might as well, you know, you might as well just ask them, Hey, what time are you leaving? And then, and then just meet them and, mm -hmm. you know, wish them well, the, a good journey and, and thank them for their stay. And, and right. it's, you know, it's kind of, it's all about um, uh, building a relationship with your mm -hmm. guests really. Like this is uh, specifically important for you know, getting like good reviews and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's just uh you know, when you're communicating a lot with your guests, even before they arrive, so if you send them a lot of information and you make yourself available for questions, um, you're just kind of showing them that you're there for them and that mm -hmm. you're doing your best to, you know, to, to ensure that they, they have the best experience that they can have. Because, um, you know, people travel from all around the world sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to really trust your host um, because, you know, if that person, you know, isn't, isn't doing their job, then you could be in front of a, a, a closed door, right? And now mm -hmm. you're in a right. city that you don't know, you might not speak the language. So, so it's really important to give your guests um, that confidence um, that they, that they know and that they feel that you're going to be there uh, for them if there, mm -hmm. if there are any issues. And so, right. you know, providing information, talking to them, but also it's part of building the relationship. And, and what happens if, if people see that you're doing a really good job, um, they're less likely to complain about minor things, mm -hmm. right? So if then if the internet doesn't work for a couple hours, you know they're they're less likely to make a big deal out of it if they feel like you're really doing your best to provide them with a good experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and, and you mentioned it's it's about that relationship, and and I love the fact that you um, talk about the the various people, and you know part of why I really liked your book, and you know, and then you've got a podcast also is it's got a lot of real life examples and, and people who are um, hosts and, you know, they, they provide information about the closest restaurants and, you know, and, and I mentioned, you know, sometimes they go out to coffee with the folks or, you know, various things like that. Some, some go to an extreme of arranging for transportation from the, the airport. I mean, you know, there's obviously lots of, of variations in there, but one of the things that I really liked is the manual that, that you have that goes out to them in advance and then is kind of there. And it, it, it gives things like, okay, this is, this is how you work the thermostat. Here's the Wi-Fi password, all of these various things. And I really love the example in the book where the person, the, the host would send it and they kind of buried in the, in the information, the Wi-Fi password and how to get in the door. And then when people would say, well, how do you do that? They would gently remind them it's in that material that you need to read. Um, but I, I really like that concept because even when I'm traveling, you know, and, and staying in a hotel, I like to look at, okay, where's the ice machine? Where's the closest movie theater? How do I order pizza? And when I don't find those things, I'm like, oh, well, you know, and I have my smartphone. I can easily look a lot of that stuff up. But Knowing that it's somebody's favorite, you know, the, the person who lives there, whether they're there, you know, most of the time or, or, you know, all of, you know, all of those various things, 
it's just kind of a, a neat little tidbit to be able to provide. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's, that's an important part. And people love Airbnb partly because of the personalized experience and because of the local information that they're mm-hmm. getting. Uh, Cause if you're staying in a hotel, yeah, you can ask, you can ask the concierge, like what are some good restaurants, but mm-hmm. they usually have like a standard list. Well, and then, know, yeah, they sometimes get paid to send people their way. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just different. Right. And, um, you know, I, I actually started using a digital guidebook, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, which you can do for free. Actually, um, there's a company called Hostfully, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and they provide the digital guidebook. So you can go on their website and you nice. can create a digital guidebook full of pictures, recommendations, mm-hmm. and you can send it to your guests as soon as they book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can either print it out or they can just look at it on their phone or their iPad. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, within a few seconds after booking, they already have all the information, which again is, I think is really important. Um, not just from a, from a, you know, relationship building, um, perspective, but also isn't it, isn't half the fun of going on a trip, like looking forward to it. Right. Uh-huh. And and planning in advance. Ooh, I want to go to do to this and and I, this is a great spot to eat. All of those various things. Exactly. So by providing all that information and these recommendations and pictures of of your favorite dishes in various restaurants, it just kind of like really builds up helps to build up the excitement for the trip on on the guest's behalf and mm-hmm. uh, and so in that way you're you're even contributing to their experience before they've even uh stepped through your doors. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, it's about welcoming them into your home, Um, you know, and and if they were friends and relatives, you would probably provide that information. So, you know, you really should provide it to people who are going to pay you for that privilege. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, It's a very important aspect for sure. Now, one of the things that interested me was, you know, in many cases, people are renting an entire house or apartment or, you know, maybe it's a mother-in-law suite or, or something like that. But some people rent just a room. Um, you know, you mentioned at the, the very start of the program, the, the young woman who just had air mattresses. I love the concept of, you know, hey, we want to make some extra money, so we're going to rent, say, our downstairs basement or, or something like that. It's, it's obviously the same principle, but I think so many people never even stop to think that they have that option. You know, the kids have, have you know, gone away to college. Well, now you've got spare bedrooms. Why not, you know, get some money out of it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, everybody lives somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah, essentially everybody can do Airbnb mm-hmm. and, and because it's such a flexible platform and you can, you can use it in so many different ways. Uh, just, just, want, just to name one more uh, example that I that I really like is actually uh, the, my the co-author of the book I wrote, my mm-hmm. friend of mine, and um, you know when he started hosting, he li- he lives in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. he would put up his apartment only in the weekends, um, together with his uh, with his uh, roommate, mm-hmm. and if it would get booked, they would then use that money to drive over to Vegas and, mm-hmm. and have some fun in Vegas for the weekend. And I love it the money that they made. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, again, like you said, there's, you know, there's, uh, there's so many different ways that you can use the platform. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, I really, I really just love Airbnb and, and the sharing economy in general, I think is, 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 is incredible um, just because it empowers the individual. Right. Well, you know, I've had several guests on who are nomadic, you know, they 
they just go from place to place. Obviously, a lot of times they're a lot younger. Um, as long as they have internet, they can work. And two of them, I, you know, I've had them on several times, are professional house sitters. And, you know, and, and they've gone through the certification process and, and, you know, know that they're very trustworthy. And they literally travel around the world doing this. And then you had an example in your book of a woman who combined those things. And I just thought that was the coolest thing because when she would go in and be a professional house sitter, it was in castles <laughs> you know? and very cool locations. And so she was making money by doing that. And she was also renting out her flat, I believe it was, or maybe her, her home as an Airbnb. So she was really bringing in quite a bit of money. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. That's just a double whammy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was the the, late, the girl from Oxford in, right. in England, mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's just a perfect situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, let's talk about some more of just the, the basics. And it's things that, you know, it, one of the things you mentioned in your book or and, and online is the fact that what you really have to strive for is to get good reviews. And you know, and, and so you need to ask for them because people forget all those various things, but it's about providing the things that are going to get you the good reviews, the, the clean, the cleanliness. I mean, you know, that is obviously probably the top of, of the thing. And that's why it's so important to hire someone who knows what they're doing. Um, and, and so, you know, and, and I love the fact that you say one hair can just ruin somebody's trip. You know, one, one hair from somebody they don't know when they're like, ew, ew, okay, now, um, You know, good mattresses, great towels, and then little amenities like a hair dryer, um, shampoos, you know, all those things that, that you would get if you were in a luxury hotel. It's, it's pretty easy to provide those in your home to make them feel very comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the amount, the amount of amenities that you provide is, has to be a little bit you know, in in relation to what you're charging, right? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're catering to the low budget travelers, then you know you probably are not going to provide too many amenities because right. it's going to. Yeah, if they're sleeping on the air mattress, they're probably not going to get too much more. Exactly. So, so it it you know it depends a little bit on what kind of experience you're you're providing, right? And and this actually brings me to a really important point which is that before you start hosting an Airbnb, you should really ask yourself the question, like, who am I, who am I targeting here? Okay. What, what's my, who's my audience, right? I mean, you know, as, as, as you, you probably know better than me, that in any, any business you have to, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, what problem am I solving and, mm-hmm. and who, am I, who am I solving it for and, and how do I market it, right? And right. so, you know, Airbnb is kind of like your marketing part, mm-hmm. um, but um but you know, you also have to think about you know who is my who's my perfect guest. Right? Mm-hmm. Who, who are these people that would like to stay at my place? And I think a really good way to sort of find out is to actually stay in some Airbnbs in your neighborhood oh. and talk to the other talk to the other house and mm-hmm. kind of you know ask them like what type of people you know frequent this area, mm-hmm. um, and and then you can get a better idea of of who you're catering to right just to just to name an, a simple example um if you're if you're renting out near disneyland you're going to be catering to families right, right? and so when you're 
you know, setting up your Airbnb, that's something to keep in mind, right? Mm-hmm. For example, if you have a pool, it'd be a good idea to have a little fence around it so mm-hmm. that, you know, the little children, they can't drown in it. Mm-hmm. Or you could, maybe you could uh, add a game room and, and put some, put some games in there or maybe mm-hmm. a table tennis or something like that. So now that's just really important to, uh, to think about before you even start. Mm-hmm. Well, and you also mentioned in your book some some fun other things like maybe have an Xbox or you know movies, um, you know all these various things. Now a lot of stuff is is online, so maybe you you know you have a Netflix account that they can can use, um, you know all these various things. And but you're right, you need to know your audience. I mean, you you don't want to have a lot of those things if they're just really there to sleep and leave, um, you know. And and um, but you know if you're providing a kitchen then you had darn well better provide things that they can use in the kitchen. You know, that was um, one of the things that I was looking at when we were thinking of traveling was, you know, okay, we wanted a kitchen and, you know, were there going to be cups, plates, glasses, um, uh, you know, how close was it to shop? I mean, you know, and, and all of those various things, pots, pans, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and, and you mentioned in your book, something as simple as a toaster, that was something that made or broke somebody's visit because their kids were so used to having toast every day, uh, you know, and, and so it's, you know, again, it's those, those little amenities that really will make the difference for somebody. And, and you know, we're not talking the good China folks, you know, you, you want stuff out there that can, you know, you won't cry if it breaks, but you need to have those things there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some of these things you'll, you'll learn as you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the hairdryer, which is a, I always find this a pretty funny example because, you know, I've never used a hairdryer. You're a guy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I found out that the hard way, uh, Mm -hmm. when I had my, I I had my first guest actually, it was a group of, of four young ladies. Oh no. And you didn't have a hairdryer. I mean, that's like, you know, like that's a very important item Mm -hmm. for uh, the young ladies who are traveling. I, I, that's something that I learned. Right. You know, and, some of those things might disappear, you know, it's, and, and whether it's on purpose or not, I mean, sometimes it's easy to get dropped in a a bag, things like that. So, you know, you want the $10 hair dryers or, you know, things like that, but you're right. People notice when it's not there. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, the, the smaller items, um, even like small, like, like damages or something is missing, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, I, I kind of see that as a business expense, right? Right. I mean, if you're... If and you're is it out, worth complaining if somebody, you know, broke a, a lamp? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Exactly. I mean, that's just, that's just part of, that's just wear and tear, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I will say, just don't, don't completely freak out if, if, if there was like a, a glass broken or, you know, there was, there was some sort of accident mm-hmm. um, because that's, you know, that's just, I mean, that's part of life, right? Right, right. You know, and along those lines, you talk in your book about the fact that, Sometimes things go wrong. Something happens. And I love that you say, fix it, fix it right away. You know, if their air conditioning is off, then you had darn well better get somebody there to work on it. Or, you know, you went out and bought somebody a toaster, you know, all of these various things. And I think that's where you see, you know, people making the mistakes is they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So, so their internet didn't work. <laughs> you know, no, <laughs> you, know, you, you have to fix those things. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen this many times during my own travels. Um, just recently, I was in Panama and uh, in Panama, it's very warm. Mm-hmm. It's very hot. And so, and you know, I don't sleep well if it's too hot in, in mm-hmm. my bedroom. So right. 
the air conditioning is, is essential for me. Mm-hmm. And so I arrived at the apartment and then it turns out the air conditioning is not working. And then, you know, I mean, that's just something that, that just can't happen. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that, that's just, you know, unacceptable. Right. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the thing is like, you can have everything in order uh, before the stay, but at some point, something's going to happen during mm-hmm. the stay, right. right? Whether it's be whether it be the toilet that that gets clocked up, or whether it's the internet that mm-hmm. that goes off for for a while, or you know whatever whatever it is that happens, there's there's things out of your control, mm-hmm. and so and that's not necessarily going to lead to a bad experience, but how you react to that mm-hmm. is is really determines how your guests going to feel about it because people understand that right. something's out of your control, right? So. Um, so yeah, so that's why that's why I just emphasize um, if something does go wrong, like just you know do everything within your power mm-hmm. to help the guests. And if you do that, they won't often they won't even like mention it in the review, and they right. won't even like complain about it. Or they might turn it into a positive in the review. Exactly. That's right. that's that's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they can write okay, uh, you know something something uh, didn't work, and the host immediately came over and fixed it, and it was great. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. speaking of the review, sometimes people complain and, you know, and, and I love the fact that you say you absolutely have to address it and address it specifically. Don't just say, oh, gee, thanks for letting us know. We'll fix it. Address each thing that they're talking about. And, and it's funny. I tell people, you know, when, if you're getting businesses will tell me all the time, well, I don't want to be on social media because people will say bad things. And I tell them, well, they probably already are, whether it's true or not, but don't you want to be able to try and fix it? And so many times people just want to be heard, you know, and, and more importantly, they want somebody to say, I'm sorry. You know, and, and so I love that you tell people, read those reviews and do what you can to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. And you can also respond to reviews on Airbnb, right? Which mm-hmm. I think is also important and not everybody agrees with me on, on this one um, but but um, but I really think it's important to to respond to every single review right. because it just shows I mean it's basically you know that your guests are going to look at the reviews mm-hmm. and so you have a little space there in that uh, you know in, the, in that premium section of your listing where you know that the guests are going to look you you can actually provide some some extra um, some extra content there. Right. And so like that, you know, use it, I would say. And, and when it comes to responding to reviews, it's, you can either damage or you can help your own reputation, mm-hmm. right? By, by, you know, depending on how you respond. And so just like you said, if somebody wasn't happy about something, you know, don't argue, don't be defensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of like, you know, put your ego on the side before you start writing the review mm-hmm. and, and really focus on uh, what you are going to, do to fix that problem because then if the future guest is going to look at that review that person will think okay well something you know something went wrong which which can happen mm-hmm. but uh, this host seems to be very professional and uh, and and now it's fixed mm-hmm. so then you know it's it's i don't think that review is going to hurt you actually right if anything it might help you by sh- by, by showing people hey look i'm professional. he cares mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. well and i tell people also, don't just cut and paste. You know, we've seen the hotel reviews where, you know, say on Yelp or something, where, you know, no matter what was said, the response is, thank you so much for staying with us. We greatly appreciated the fact that you were here. 
no. <laughs> you know? Now you might have some sample things that you cut and paste, and and you do mention, um, you know, the, the standard emails that you send to people when they first book, and you know all of those various things. But you know, it, always personalize it a little bit. You know, even if it's just making sure you got the right name. Um, but you know, don't just cut and paste because that shows people that you really don't care. When you take the time to personalize, it's like, oh, okay, hey, that's nice. They care. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, uh, I, I never used to copy paste any reviews actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, like you mentioned, I did have some templates, um, you know, with information and stuff and just some standard responses to common questions. Uh, but when it comes to reviews, I think you, you definitely want to make sure each one is, is personalized. Right. Well, you know, oh my gosh, we still have so many things that we could talk about. And, and um, you know, so I really want people to encourage people to get your book. And if you're thinking about this, to, you know, to, to really research, you know, because there are various laws that, that might pertain, you know, especially here in the United States. You know, we mentioned homeowners associations. Um, you know, if you are renting, you know, is it considered a sublease of your space? You know, all of these various things, um, you know, and, and now one of the nice things about Airbnb and, and using a service like that, as opposed to going it alone, is they have so many great resources to help you. And that was one of the, the things that I really enjoyed reading about in your book was, oh, well, they will help determine, say, that all-important little thing called pricing. Um, you know, and, and as you said, the reviews, all of those things. So that's why I think it's, it's a really good thing for people to go with a service like Airbnb or, or Airbnb um, because they do have those resources. But um, the, the, the last thing I want to talk about is something that you mentioned right at the very start of the program, and that's the fact that you have multiple properties. And I love the concept of the fact that this can be you can do investment properties. Um, you know, long-term leasing is easy in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, if you have a place and you can rent it for years, that's, you know, but short-term leasing when done right is actually in many cases more lucrative. And I love this concept. So talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So when I started on Airbnb, I, I before that, I was actually renting my apartment long-term. And, you know, I think there's three um, advantages to short-term renting. Uh, the first one is, what, like you mentioned, it's, you know, it's, it's more lucrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but secondly, um, it's the control that you have, right? Um, when I was renting out my, my place in Amsterdam, I could still stay at my own place when I was back home. Mm-hmm. And that option you don't have when you're renting out to somebody long-term, right? Right. Um, yeah, you but- can't really say, hey, I need my couch. Yeah, exactly. So, so you really like lose the control over your over over the house, and um, you know, in Holland, the, there are very strict renter protection laws, mm. which basically means that if somebody lives in your place for more than six months or so, um, it's you can't really take your house back. You can't really say, "Hey, um, we had a two-year contract; it's done, and I want to move back in," uh, because if that person doesn't want to leave, it's it's very difficult to get them. Oh, out. eek. Yeah, so that's that's another concern, and I don't know, you know, it, that that is different in different countries and different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but those were the three main reasons that I switched to um, short-term renting. Now, that is not to say that short-term renting is a better solution in in, in every case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's not. I mean, some areas they're you know they don't attract a lot of visitors, and mm-hmm. you're better off long-term renting. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it is it is more lucrative if you if you do it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it, you know, it requires more work, more research, uh, more effort. Um, but, uh, but, but it's more lucrative if you do a good job at it. So it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a very good solution. Um, for me personally, um, I, you know, I pay cash for my uh, properties in the countries where I bought, Mm -hmm. but if you're, if you're able to get a mortgage, then you can really see some extraordinary returns. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm aiming for about 10% and hopefully a little bit more for my mm-hmm. properties. Um, but if you're, if you're borrowing, uh, if you get a mortgage here in the U S it's, uh, it's pretty cheap, right? Uh, you mm-hmm. can get like three, 4% right. mortgages. And so if you leverage 70, 80% of your investments, you can really see returns of like 15, 20, even, even up to 25% mm-hmm. on your short term rental. Right. Well, and so this could easily be not just investment property. Maybe you're buying your retirement home or, you know, you're a snowbird and you've got, you know, a, a location in the winter and a location in the summer. This is a great way to to be able to utilize those properties and, and make quite a bit of money off of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that we really didn't talk about, we're going to, so we're going to talk about it really quickly is probably one of the most critical things, and that's, hey, so we're going to do it quickly, um, is marketing, you know, taking great photos, great descriptions. I love in your book how you you really tell the story about each room as opposed to, this is the, the first bathroom, or, you know, the bathroom has two sinks or a queen-size bed. You know, it's, it's all about telling that story, taking those great pictures, and having those, you know, really enticing people because, that's what we're looking at. I mean, you know, we're only looking at the pictures and reading the descriptions and probably a lot of other places are fairly similar. So it's about marketing your space to really make sure that it, it is without, without lying folks, no lying um, uh, or even embellishing, you know, you can't do that. Um, but I, you know, talk to us a little bit more about some, some marketing tips that people need to do. Yeah, sure. Um, so the, the Airbnb listing is really your sales page. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you want, what you want to do is you want to visualize what the experience is, is like when people stay at your place, right? Mm-hmm. And so how, how do you do that? Well, first of all, you know, when you're taking pictures, you want to make sure that you're covering all the basis, right? Because people want to know exactly what they're getting into before they book. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you want to make sure you've got a few pictures of each space, maybe from different angles. Um, I always recommend people adding a floor plan as well, because that okay. just really helps visualize, you know, what, what the space, how it's, how it's set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said, you want to, you want to take good pictures. A little light is important um, because a dark place doesn't mm-hmm. look appealing, right? Right. Um, so, you know, those are those are important. You can also write captions uh, with the pictures. So, like you said, instead of saying uh, there there's a there's a roof terrace, it's it's better to describe the experience. So you could say something like, uh, you know, after after a long day of sightseeing, the roof terrace offers a perfect opportunity to uh, unwind while watching the sunset and enjoy a cold glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Right? If, if people read that, then they're they're automatically going to visualize that experience, right? right? And that makes it appealing. Um, But I'm glad you mentioned also that at the same time, you want to sell your property as as good as you can, but at the same time, you also want to be very accurate. Mm -hmm. You don't want to make it seem better than it is Mm -hmm. because you'll be paying the price for that in the reviews. And so, you know, there's, I always think about 
it this way. I always think you um, you under promise and you over deliver. Mm-hmm. All right, and but by under promising, that doesn't mean that you know your picture shouldn't be good and you shouldn't describe your place well. But I'm just saying like you know, offer something that they don't expect. So for example, you you can leave out the, the little welcome gift that you're providing, that little bottle of wine that you're, you know, you're putting on the table. Um, you can, you know, you don't have to mention that in your, uh, in your description, right? So mm-hmm. that's right. something that people don't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I should, I probably shouldn't say a bottle of wine because there's, there's been some debate about whether you should, um, you know, offer alcohol to your guests, especially if you don't know exactly how old the guests are going to oh, be. Oh, this is true. Uh, well, so but you could do sodas, you know, or, or you know, uh, sparkling cider, things like that. Yeah, exactly. Or something local, like in mm-hmm. Amsterdam, obviously there's, you know, we're known for for cheese. So mm-hmm. Right, a cheese, cheese basket. Oh, yeah. You leave me food, I'm happy as can be. <laughs> exactly. So there's, you know, there's things that you can do that uh, small things that, that just make the experience uh, better than what, what people are expecting. And that's really where you can get the, the great reviews. Perfect. Well, Jasper, this has been absolutely fascinating. And um, it's, it's funny, I can't wait to tell some friends of mine about this, because they've been thinking of having investment properties and, you know, all these various things. Um, you know, and, and I do have some friends who, who are dabbling with this. And, and I think it's a, a great thing for people to think about. And as I mentioned at the start of the program, this is what you do full time, you travel the world full time, because of the money that you make being an Airbnb host. Um, so tell us uh, how, again, people find you and connect with you online. Sure. Uh, I think the best way to find me is just to go to www.getpaidforyourpet.com. You can find the book on Amazon, but um, but there's a lot of free information available on my blog. I have uh, about 245 podcast episodes that you can listen to. Nice. Um, and if people have questions, they can email me at jasper at getpaidforyourpet.com. I have also a YouTube channel. So there's, there's lots of ways um, for people to, you know, to learn about hosting and uh, to also you know, see some examples of what other people are doing, especially in the podcast. I've mentioned a bunch of episodes actually during our, uh, our conversation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think the podcast is just a, is just a very valuable um, uh, you know, resource for, for people. And uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to answer any questions. Perfect. Well, again, I have been having a fabulous time talking with Jasper Ribbers of getpaidforyourpad.com. I am Deb Creer. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.